Welcome to the iSmart Podcast Show with Tom Rogers, founder and CEO of iSmart Networks. We help connect entrepreneurs with key partnerships to build financial freedom. The average millionaire has seven streams of income, and our guests reveal how they created multiple streams in their businesses. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around for the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you could be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily transformational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Okay, thanks for joining iSmart Podcast. On the show today, we have Brock Weatherup. He's actually the current CEO and co-founder of Metamorphosis Partners. He was the founder or co-founder of Fathead and also built uh, Pet Coach, which was acquired by Petco, um, Pet360, which was acquired by PetSmart. Uh, he's an angel investor, a VC, and, and really just builds enterprises. So I'm really excited to have him on the show today. Brock, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Fantastic. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you've been, you've done in your career and, you know, we were talking, you know, right before we, we came on the show, you know, about metamorphosis partners and kind of what it, what it does. Uh, and we can go into that probably in a bit of the, uh, more of the end of the show, because there's a lot of, you know, building of enterprises, exiting of enterprises, and, you know, our audience is going to want to know how you were able to do those things. And, um, but what did you originally grow up? Uh, so I uh, grew up kind of all, all over the place, including living internationally, but most of it in the Northeast. Um, always been kind of a, a person kind of going after opportunities, went to college in Colorado, started my career in New York City, then moved back to Colorado, then to California, then to Toronto, then to Detroit, Michigan, then to Philadelphia, now in San Diego. So I'm um, trying to you know, touch a lot of places in, the, uh, in North America, that's for sure. Definitely. So was that like military that you traveled a lot in or was it just like you just wanted to explore uh, as, a, as, a, as a kid lived overseas you know my father was uh in the, in the corporate world he worked for, for pepsi cola and so kind of got that sort of experience but just more kind of you know my, my career where i've moved since kind of college and everything else has been just more frankly being opportunistic and and looking right. for some unique opportunities and kind of going for it and a lot of times you know the more flexible you can be the more opportunities you can take advantage of Definitely. And uh, so you, did you go to college or were you, or you or did you graduate or during that whole yeah, process? Yeah, went, went to college and graduated from, uh, from University of Colorado, Boulder. Um, I can't say I was the best student in the world. Um, <laughs> Boulder, Boulder offered a lot of opportunities to be, you know, go skiing and, you know, kind of do mountain biking and be in the outdoors and, you know, got me a pretty good education. So I, I can't complain and I loved it. So. Definitely. So, you know, it's interesting, you know, I, I hear there's a lot of different sides when it comes to entrepreneurship and, and growing businesses. Some people, they, you know, they got business degrees. Other people, they just got a random degree. Other people, you know, they're self-educated. They, they, you know, they dropped out of college, right? So, so what does that look like as far as, you know, going and traveling? It doesn't sound like your dad or your parents were entrepreneurs. They, they worked for a corporate company. How did you go from being you know, just like, a, okay, my parents weren't entrepreneurs, they didn't own businesses, and then I you know, got a college degree. Why didn't you go down the normal job route like your parents did and, and then go into business? Why, why, how did you, why did you go that direction? You know, I don't, you, you never know really why. I mean, I, I know, like, as a kid, like, I was, uh, I, I was always, I always had a hustle <laughs> of one form or another. And, like, you know, I, I would, you know, try and sell this or do that. And, you know, look, I guess it was for candy money or gas money at the time, you know, but I just was always trying to, find a job and, and, and do something. And 
uh, you know, I actually, my, my first job after college was a traditional corporate thing. I, I moved to New York. I went to work for American Express. Um, so I worked, you know, in Manhattan, you know, one of the kind of blue chip of blue chip companies. And it was fabulous. I got a really unique opportunity as my second job at American Express to be in this kind of new business development group. And I think it just like something clicked and it all kind of came together. I had an awesome boss who gave me some opportunities and our, our job at American Express was figure out how do we create new revenue opportunities, leveraging the business and data and infrastructure of American Express. And so it was kind of like, I was able to kind of try out being an entrepreneur in an incredibly mm. safe environment yeah. of a large corporation. And I don't know, that just kind of sent me off and uh, kind of said, hey, well, maybe I can do this at larger scale and maybe there's a way to do this. And then, you know, when you when, when you build a personal infrastructure, which is what I tell a lot of entrepreneurs, like whether that's parents or friends or family or whatever, if, if you build a good structure around you, you can take more risk. And being an entrepreneur is taking risk. And mm-hmm. so, you know, my ability, you know, from that point, you know, ended up finding an, a, an exceptional partner in life. And, you know, she is, you know, super supportive of everything that I'm doing. We've moved a lot. So she's gotten really good at moving. Um, and, uh, exactly. And, and, you know, look, I mean, that, oh, that then took a chance on, Hey, try this job or, you know, Hey, create this company or go there to try this or yeah, let's go down this path. And so that's kind of created the, so, so I, I don't know what in all that kind of really created, but I think things just kind of built, you know, on, on top of yeah, you know, other and just kind of kept going. So, and look, right. finding success doesn't hurt either, right? Because it, it then just only encourages you to do it more. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's really awesome that you were in that unique position where the company gave you flexibility to be able to be creative and kind of innovate and get a taste of what, uh, you know, businesses, businesses like. Uh, so, you, so you, you know, it was kind of like out of college, went, you went towards American Express and then after American Express, you know, you had that taste of entrepreneurship, so to say, inside the company. What was your very first venture out of outside of selling candy to kids? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the you know, a- after American Express, I ended up at what was the early stage of this business called Interactive Corp. At the time, it was not called that, but it was so this is 99 ish time frame. Um, yes, 1999, when there was still, you know, dating myself, I guess. But um, you know, it was the early days of Ticketmaster.com. It was early days of the internet, CitySearch.com, Match.com, um, and it kind of was again. It was it was more a larger organization, but it was very entrepreneurial. Um, and yes. so we got to create businesses, and then got to create a few other things. So I spent about six, seven years there. I guess my first kind of you know true foray into it was uh, being kind of co-founder of Fathead, um, which was to get that business. And and for those who don't know, Fathead is big kind of wall graphics of your favorite sports stars, teams, kind of a modern, a, a new version of a quote unquote poster that you'd stick on your wall if you're, you know. So you founded that company and you ran and you built it to the point where you just eventually exited. Correct. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we had, well, at the time, you know, it was more of, there was an idea, found a financial backer. I was a, a CEO. And so we kind of put those things together. Um, and so, you know, gave kind of the capital, the infrastructure to be successful. And then, you know, kind of over time then ended up just, I, I, I left and it kind of continued on. It still goes today. So. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always that first, my first, uh, my first business venture was, you know, inside, well, I mean, I had a couple, I was trying to do a, you know, like a 
lawn mowing, a kind of landscaping business. I tried that for a couple of weeks. My best friend didn't really work out too well. Um, you know, and, and then I went to the car wash industry that really kind of blew up, but then, yeah, and we're actually still doing very well, uh, in the car wash industry, but you know, it was kind of one of those, one of those things that I always said that my, the car wash business was just a vehicle for me to learn entrepreneurship, learn to business, learn business. And then from there, you know, it, it would move me on to, to other business opportunities. And that's kind of, it sounds like that's kind of what Fathead did for you. Totally. It gave me, you know, it kind of gave me lift off, right, in some way. And I think, you know, one of the things I also realized before then, like like at American Express, as amazing as I enjoyed my time experience, I didn't care about credit cards. <laughs> like, and so, you know, I think that, that kind of kicked off a bunch of things like Fathead. I'm a huge sports fan, huge entertainment fan. So I was like, it was easy to be passionate about it, you know, yeah. and you know, got in the pet industry. I'm a huge pet lover. My sister's a veterinarian. I've had a you know dog my whole life. And so I could be passionate about it again, because I was personally passionate about it. I think that that helps a whole lot, especially on the entrepreneurial side about how do yeah, you- Yeah, talking about passion is such an interesting subject, I think, when it comes to business, because some people relate passion to you have to love it. And other people relate passion is like, I need to do it. And so therefore, I love it. So can you kind of maybe talk about that a little bit, like the difference between those two? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the I think especially if you're going to do on the consumer side of the world, right, um, it's hard to sell something you don't personally love to a consumer, right? So if I, I don't love it, I don't understand it, how am I supposed to sell it to, you know, consumers? So for, for example, I am not a clothes shopper, um, like a plain black long sleeve t-shirt that's about as crazy yeah i don't care either right? like you know but the but like so like the idea that i would go create a men's apparel e-retailer like is i'm, I'm not i'm not gonna make it work right i, I don't I, I hate going into stories stores from that perspective i don't like shopping for clothes like so i'm not passionate about it versus yeah. like I love the relationship I have with my dog. I love, you know, what I kind of felt like in sports or other things. And like, and so, you know, you, you can then relate. And so that, that brings a whole different things. I think there's a whole different side when you get to people being passionate about growing a business or, or kind of in that sort of function when they get into those. And like, I think it, it, it I'm, I'm a huge fan of helping both myself and my teams or anything like, what matters to you? Like, why, why do you, why do you get excited about it? Call that passion, call that excitement, call it whatever. Like, you know, I originally went to college to be a high school teacher. Um, that's what I wanted to be a, uh, I wanted to be a high school or science teacher. That was my, that was my going to college path. Right. And you know what? I got to chem two and realized that maybe, maybe earth science really wasn't my, wasn't my path because I couldn't get past chem two. Right. So yeah. But I also, but I, but I loved the idea of teaching, and so I've been able to bring the, the the teaching, the education, the mentorship into my ability as a business leader. And frankly, I'd say I probably, quote unquote, educate and teach and have a bigger impact in my current role than I would have even had as a teacher. And so, like, but but that's what being I love. a better teacher, yeah. And that's and that's what I love, right? Like, what you know, I think spending the time being reflective on what why do you get excited? Right? Like I love just flat out love seeing people, especially my team do more than they think they could have. Right? Like, like there are fewer things where somebody goes like, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Like fewer things go like, just get me jacked or get me excited. Get me like, yes, that's, that's awesome. Like that, 
that just drives me. And so, but finding that out or figuring out what it is for each person individually is really important. And then you kind of, you know, can allow that to happen. So I think the you know, passion takes many forms. And look, you know, if people are really passionate about making a lot of money, that's, and you know, people, society might say that's a really bad thing, but if that's what you're passion for, then terrific, right? Mm-hmm. Like that may not be mine and that's okay. Yes, right. I want to create success, but like I, I want at the end of the day, feel really comfortable. We've created something that has affected a lot of people done well. Yes, it's been financially rewarding to me for sure, but that's not the joy that I get out of it. I appreciate this, the kind of the spoils of it, but you know, I, I love the rest of it. And like when I started Metamorphosis, like one of the great benefits of feeling that way in prior things was started the team basically with all people that I've worked with before, right? Because, and they wanted to do it and I wanted to do it because we'd done something before and like, that's what's fun, right? Or that's what's fun to me, I should say. And, and like, I think people finding that out and how to navigate that, I think is always really, really important. So call it- You make like several really fantastic points. So- you know, all those, all those are super amazing points. You know, I think, you know, there, you, you really did become a teacher at the end of the day because you were teaching something that you do love to people or as your students, or it could be, you know, your just collaborates, you know, your, your right. teammates, you know? And so, you know, that's, that's really, that's really amazing. The reason why I asked that is because a lot of, a lot of people, they're like, okay, well, you know, if you, let's say you're really good at sewing and you're really good at like, you know, doing this or whatever, if you, creative business out of it. Let's say you started out with that thing. It was like a hobby and then you got really good at it. And now you're doing like a thousand new pieces of, you know, clothing every single week. People are like, okay, you get exhausted, you get tired of it, all those things. Right. So that's why I ask those kind of questions because I think it's difficult for people to correlate between the two. Like, okay, well, if I, I could love something, but then I'd eventually get exhausted about it. So being able to balance those two things, um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think you, you, you have to find something that connects you to it. Otherwise you'll only be marginal successful. Like I, I just, I just believe that's a, I, I just believe that's a given, right? That you, you, you have, you have to find that thread. Yeah. Not just going after something just because of the money. I mean, everyone talks about going over meaning over money. Right. And, but there's also this thing where I think there's a kind of a cross correlation there where it's almost like in between where you have to love it, but also you have to understand that, Hey, like this is going to be challenging. This is going to be hard. You know, there's going to be times where I don't love it, but because of the impact and the different things that we're doing, you know, there's at the end, you know, I'm going to love it. And therefore there's passion about every piece of it, the pain, the pleasure, kind of like all of it. Um, it really kind of incorporates it. So yeah, that's, those are all, those are all really, really amazing. Um, so, well, so after, what, go ahead. Sorry, like, like one thing that's, you know, like entrepreneurship is really freaking hard period. End of story. And you know, everyone thinks it's like, cause all, all the stories that people read on TechCrunch, right. Are all the, are the, are the 1% or 2% of companies that succeed. Right. You know, there's other 98 that are sitting on the trash can that have heartbreak associated with them, but nobody writes the stories about them unless they are glorious failures. But those are ones, okay, you know, they raised a hundred million dollars and they're out of business in 12 months. Well, that's not normal either. Yeah. Right. The normal thing is you bust your rear end, you put your own capital in it, you go along, you're like putting your family's future at risk. Yeah. You're kind of working harder than you've ever worked in your life. You're, give, you're getting 
no positive feedback on it. Everyone's telling you why it's not going to work because most of the time it doesn't work. And that like now sometimes they do. And a lot of companies kind of like find something and then it's kind of eh. like, it's just not good. It's not just bad. And it kind of drags along for a while until they, until somebody finally goes, I can't do it anymore. Like that, that part of it now is, is, is what the reality is. Now, when you find a path outside of that and create something like it's also the, the most rewarding, it is the most challenging. It is the most exciting, also the most difficult thing you'll ever do. And that emotional range, I think makes it that much more wonderful right. and it works, but it's really hard. And people need to understand that when they get into it, like you don't just start something and end up as Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Like it just doesn't happen. Right. And there's a lot of things that, you know, come along with it. And it's just, uh, and, and finding that balance is a, is just a reality that, you know, unless you've done it, you know, you, you, you don't know what it is. And like, I was like, Oh, well, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I was like, you, you will never be an entrepreneur until in the same 24 hour period, you will 100% believe you have the greatest idea in the history of this. <laughs> And it's going to be a billion dollars and you're going to just make so everybody true. so proud. It's going to be unbelievable. And in that same 24 hours, you're like, these people came on board this thing and I'm going to have to fire them in a month because we're going to run out of cash and I'm going to have, I'm going to have ruined their lives. And they've made this. Yeah, it's, it's a little, it's almost like bipolar craziness, you know, cause 100%. you can go, you can go like, you can be the most encouraging positive person in the universe. And then like, like you said, like the next day you're just like sitting there, staring at a wall thinking to yourself what am i doing totally. yeah, totally. <laughs> you're, you're like oh yeah you're doing a victory lap around the office the next day you're sitting there you know hands in your face and you're just like i've i'm a total screw up this never so these are these are great topics so how do you how do you negate those kind of feelings or maybe minimize them so that way they don't affect your your growth or or anything like that in the company well, well, minimize i mean obviously you can't eliminate yeah, but yeah, it goes back to my earlier point of just what's your team you know, and, and, and it doesn't mean necessarily your professional team. It's your personal and your professional team. It's like, who's around you, right? Like, who are the people that are there for you, right? Um, and within that realm, it's, look, they're the first ones to, you know, reach to give you a hand to pick you up off the floor. They're also the same person that once you get a little, you know, kind of too big for your head are very happy to pull you back down to earth and go, okay, you're not that great, right? And And, and having that sort of, you know, team around you and, and it's, and it's multiple people, right? Cause there's the person who's really good at bringing you back down to earth. And there's the other person that's really good at picking you up and everything in between and making sure that you spend time to develop that network of what that is around you. And again, whether those are people you're working with as co-founders or part of your founding team or kind of your core group or their family or their friends. Like yeah, so if you're like a solopreneur, you're just starting out, you're kind of this whole startup world and yeah, it's more like your family, friends, anyone that can be that positive voice, you know, in the midst right. of the trouble. It, it's, it's reality as much as a positive voice, right? Because the, the reality is also like, hey, Brock, that was a really terrible idea. Like, I know you've been at this for six months, but you should probably shut it down before you kind of get too far. Mm -hmm. That's as important as you're going down this path. Like I know you're not believing in it, Brock, but like, I really believe in you and I really believe where you're going. Like, I think it's something really special. Like you need, you need both sides of those. Yeah. To kind of right? keep it sane. To find a way. Cause you know, the fast fail is equally as important as the encouragement for the high growth. 
right. but both of those are, are are real. So were those were, was that kind of the case with Fathead? Well, how how fast was that kind of build and then grow and then or maybe what was your quickest like enter and then exit in the company? Uh, you know, it was interesting. Like like, like Pet Coach, um, you know, that we got into. We, we were only at it for um, well, a little less than ten months before we were acquired by Petco. Now, you know, we, we had a lot of reasons why that was, you know, an interesting, you know, scenario. We had, we had already had an exit to PetSmart, so we actually had, you know, a, a lot more kind of history and experience specifically in the space mm-hmm. that made our acquisition a bit easier. But my, my co-founder and I, like, before we got into those meaningful discussions, we sat down and said, what, what do we need in order to give up on the on the upside of what we think is there like so what what's our number and what's our structure right because part of that was you know how do we feel going into a big company again can we make an impact are we going to get frustrated are we going to love it and what does that need to be right mm-hmm. and so we did that before we even got into negotiations with petco and i think that was a very in retrospect and it being a really smart thing for us to have done because it gave us a very clear indication of what we, before we got to any numbers or any structure, we knew what we were willing to give up or, or when we were. Obviously, anything above that was better, but we also mm-hmm. knew where our line was. And that made our conversation, you know, a, a whole lot easier and kind of getting into that. I think there's a lot of micro points along the way where, you know, when I was at Pet360, we, we, it was during the whole, um, Thing where kind of like flash sale sites were like a right. really big deal and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we're like, okay, how do we really like Groupon, all that sort of stuff. And we're like, okay, we should create a site for that. So we created a pet site for it. We, we like put a team together. We hmm. did all the work. It was exceptionally well done. Um, like our team was doing amazing with it and it was a terrible business. We were at it for <laughs> six months. We only made, I mean, we invested maybe 400, maybe $300,000. So not insignificant, but also not a ton. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, the, the big warriors leaders like, okay, we had this other, other businesses that were working and we did this as a project. We put people on it and I wanted to make sure that people stayed taking risk right inside our company because who wants to sign up for the next project if it gets shut down in six months. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we, we again, yeah, so those are, those are really interesting concepts that you just talked about. I mean, you had talk, you had Build Pet Coach, right? And then you also had Pet 360. It sounds like both of those businesses were started from the beginning with an exit strategy. So, like, how do you how do you keep people engaged in that? Not not even with an exit strategy. It was more creating value. I mean, the, the, the Pet Coach thing was we we were on a different trajectory, and then we uh-huh. had a buyer come in. Okay, right. So you kind of like where where we're gonna go, but like. You know, create. You know, in Pet 360, it was, hey, how could we create this, and how could we, you know, do do something big in the pet industry, and we just got behind it. So, okay, okay. So none of those really were just like, a, you know, because they always talk about extra strategy. You got to know your extra strategy before you go into something. You know? I I totally disagree with that idea. Like okay. fundamentally, like really can't stand. So, that why, so why do you why do you disagree with the idea? Because it makes you make decisions that aren't real on the value of the company that you're building. So what I mean by that is, like, if you're focusing on an exit, you've already defined who that might be and what they might, and then you're building for them. And that may or may not be a good strategy versus, am I making a great company? Yeah. Right. And am I making a great product? Am I delivering a great service? Am I, if you deliver a great product that consumers want, or you deliver a great service, that, like, you have a great company. 
like, why do you need to exit it? Right? Like, and oh, by the way, if you take no money to do that, like, okay, well that, like, if you can create a business that in five years is doing $20 million of revenue and generating 3 million bucks of EBITDA, and you've never taken a dime from anybody, you're doing pretty freaking amazing. That will never get you on the headlines of TechCrunch. It will never get you in the newspaper on those sorts of things, but you're going to have an incredibly great company. You're going to have plenty of cash flow into your personal life. You're going to be happy and content because you're not responsible to anybody else because you've not taken any VC money. Like that's an, people don't like, that is an exceptional outcome, right? Versus people like, I'm I'm just going to bring in all this capital because I want to exit to Google and I'm going to like, Okay, great, but you, you, you create this pressure, which may be the right leverage for what you want to go do, but you got to be careful about it because it starts, you start making decisions that don't make sense yeah. because you're, you've got this false hurdle at the end versus if you build a great company, and you, then you've got a great company forever. And a lot of times during the growth is- of the company, you don't even, things change so often you know, like, 100%. I mean, my, my car wash company started from a laundry basket and a squirt bottle. Like totally. now we have a, we have like a, a, a car wash business in a box that we ship around the country. <laughs> and I was first doing the service myself. And then now I don't do any of the service. It's, ex- so, it's exactly that. It's exactly that. Right. And, and you just kind of go there. Now, if you're building that great value now, somebody might show up and go, Oh my God, you have this amazing business and I want to be in the car wash business. Like, and that's what let, like, let me at it. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, that's because you built a great business and that's going to maximize your outcome versus if you were trying to identify the exit. Now it's important to go like, how do you fit in the world? And when you bring in external capital, the reason why people keep talking about requiring your exit is because your capital requires an exit, not because the company should want an exit. Mm-hmm. Capital requires an exit because that's their business. Their business is making money for people who gave them money. They are not long-term interested in the success of your business other than it creating return for them. They're doing their job really well. They're doing their job exceptionally well. They need to make money with the money that people have given them. How does that correlate with metamorphosis partners now? Is Because you're overseeing these groups of companies, right? So is that kind of, what is that, what is that position there? Is, it, is, that, is that different? Yeah, because in, well, in that case, like it's it's our company, like it's yeah. all company, it's a single company with a bunch of basically divisions within it, and okay. we're creating incentive structure kind of within each of the different areas. So the GM of our anxious pet business has a path, you know, that, that yes benefits with the whole doing it, but also for kind of that business. Or if you're the our GM of the Metropolis, you know, our e-retail business, great, like you know, she can kind of go through and kind of make that business work great, and she'll create reward for that, but it also helps the balance of it. So, it, you know, we, we create an operating company that kind of grows that whole thing. But my, my goal at the end of the day is not to exit this business. My goal at the end of the day is I want a really profitable business that I can personally retire from in 10 years that never gets sold to anybody, but is paying back our investors dividends in the amount that they invested every year forever. Like, that's, that's, that's the dream right there. <laughs> well, the investors that I brought in were individuals, family offices, which, have a, which, which want wealth over time, not an exit. Yeah. But now, look, maybe we wake up five years from now and somebody walks in and goes, you've created an amazing business, Brock, and we want to buy it. 
okay, if we back up the Brinks truck and it's the right thing for us to do and we create, then okay, we'll consider it. But that's because we've created a great business, not because we created a business to exit. Definitely. You know, so, so I think, I think our audience has a pretty good understanding of like, you know, what you do, what you've done in the past and, you know, the success that you've had. And I really think it's phenomenal. You're doing a great job in just being able to, you know, build things of value in a position and then create the connections that, you know, eventually had you either exit or, you know, they eventually got larger, you know, they never really, it doesn't sound like any of them really died, you know, like, and that's so important. I think when it comes to businesses, like if it is going to exit that, you know, it's going to do that exit is going to help that mission, that purpose, whatever that is, continue to thrive uh, through it. And that, that's one of, one of my things. The reason why I didn't quit any of my companies was because like, I didn't want to just like, okay, well, it's struggling right now. So I'm going to stop doing it. You know, even though I have all these customers that are happy with it, it's not where I want to be. So, you know, I'm just going to stop doing it and work on something else. I wanted to make sure that I was going to continue to grow, 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 and not just, you know, let those people down because I knew I had some value to give. Correct. So that's, I love that. Um, with, uh, with the pandemic right now, last thing we want to talk about in the, in the podcast is the pandemic and kind of how, you know, the business has been affected by it. I know the pet space has probably not been affected by a lot, but have you seen online sales change or any other, any other changes uh, with, with the business right now? Yeah. I, like, like, I mean, again, you'd love to say it was great strategy, but you know, it's, it's luck, <laughs> right. That we're in the pet industry, right. And the pet industry um, around COVID, right. Has, I would say no, nobody's benefited from COVID, but our industry has been far less impacted um, as people have brought more pets into their homes from adoptions to, you know, how they're, how they're spending, how they're frankly appreciating their pets in their home. Mm-hmm. They're spending a lot more time with them and realizing how valuable they are in their lives. Um, a lot more online, obviously a lot more self-help, a lot more self-directed engagement, those sorts of things. So those are, you know, like, you know, so many things have moved that way and it's been you know, pretty positive in terms of both pet ownership and then kind of basically D to C sales. Right. Have you seen, have you changed any directions, like started new projects, you know, like leveraged more income towards online advertising, anything like that? Yeah, well, we, 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 our, our metropolis business um, was the majority of it. Uh, well, beginning of March, we were 85% in our stores and 15% online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, May was our largest month ever in the history of the company and we were 90% online and 10% in our stores. So, Love that was it. not that was not our strategy. That was not. How did you our, pitch so quickly? I mean, that's like in two months. That's March, April, May. Yeah, that's like two months when the big hit happened. Essentially. Yeah, you know. Well, look. I mean, I I, I will say that you know the, the online marketing side of it is more my background. It's more of our team's background, and we got into it. I part of our original theory was we could create a franchise sort of opportunity out of Metropolis, and that was how we were going to go with it, and that's what we we're going to do. And obviously, you know, COVID said, you need to rethink that strategy. Um, and so like, okay, let's, you know, get all in on, you know, metropolis.com. And, you know, we, we knew where our kind of benefit was. And like, let's see, let's see what happens. There is a dog in my office getting into my trash can. So hold on one second. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> obviously, the, the guy that's the founder of uh, pet companies has a dog. <laughs> Attacking some garbage in his in his office. It's love it. It's perfect. We, we, we got we got a couple people in our <laughs> office, and, and and one of their dogs is running around and found a a, a little bag of a leftover scone. I put in my. <laughs> in, 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 we didn't talk about Metropolis very much. <laughs> um, 
Did, but anyway, I was, I was saying on, on Metropolis, like yeah. we, we pivoted and we, we, we had known when we looked into it, they were really great in a couple categories, specifically kind of leads and leashes and dog beds. And we're like, we just, we just gotta, we gotta go into it hard and because otherwise we're going to, that part of our business is going to go out of business. Yeah. And, you know, we then luckily kind of hit on part of the macro movement online and it, it worked really, really well, really quick. So, um, awesome. lucky or hard yeah. work or whatever, but it, it worked. So. so what do you recommend to people right now? Like that are, you know, that are starting business that are in this whole thing, you know, currently, you know, it's August, you know, we're, we're at some interesting phases and no one really knows like how the rest of the year is going to go. What are your recommendations to them and, and their businesses or, or anything you've learned this year? Yeah, I think, um, I, I don't, I, I've probably got more questions that I've got answered on this front, especially as an entrepreneur, like the amount of times I've had conversations with our team of like, especially as we've kind of looked at cash and burn and where we're going and what we're doing, it's like, well, we have a lot of opportunities if we get aggressive, but if we get too aggressive, then we're going to get way out over our skis. If COVID doesn't settle down in six months or 12 months, like if it ends up being really challenging for 18 to 24 months, we'd be really screwed. So should we be really conservative with it? Like, I, I, I'd love to say that I, I know how to answer that. And it, it, it is easily what's keeping me up at night and it's what's causing me stress. It's what's causing me. I think the biggest thing that I'm trying to do or trying to you know, imply with our team a little bit like what we did with Metropolis is be ready to, you know, kind of have, have optionality. Like mm-hmm. don't make a bet. Don't make one path that you think is going to win because if you're on a path like well metropolis is again example a right like we had a path right and okay this franchise model it's gonna be great like okay that was really wrong (laughs) like (laughs) everything about that was wrong okay but we knew there was this we've been paying attention we knew there was something in walk and we're like okay like well let's get into that high-end millennial trend forward goods let's own that online okay great like Keeping, I think, I think for entrepreneurs today, just keeping optionality as a big part of it versus making a single bet is a, yes, it spreads your energy. Yes, it spreads some of your capital, but you need to be in a position where you can react because things are so dynamic. Yeah. Um, It's almost like the split testing kind of thing. Yeah. Like, look, you know, yesterday, okay. You know, you know, the big 10 and, and Pac-12 all like cancel football. Well, okay. Not that football is everything, but boy, that changes a huge function of life in a lot of communities. Right. Yeah. It's not about football, not football, but, but everything that happens around it. Like, so what does that mean? And how does that create cascading? What do people shut down because of that? What do people do instead? Right. And so, okay. You know, was anyone expecting that college football wasn't going to happen in the fall? I think a lot of people thought it might not happen, but nobody thought it was going to not happen. Like, okay, but here we are. Right. So, and so I think just keeping options is, is what's most important and not making, you know, don't, don't bet all on black. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or you have to use a, a roulette analogy. Yeah. Like, keep your hands like, you know, kind of free and open and, you know, have almost like the, do the multiple eggs, you know, kind of scenario. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, kind, of it's kind of like the AB testing, you know, kind yeah. of mantra of like, and, and fail fast, but like, don't, don't, don't get too far out on something. So, um, so Brock, is there anything else that you're looking for right now, as far as in your team or any, uh, any, any direction as far as companies going just for anyone of our listeners that want to uh, reach out to you? 
Yeah, I think on, you know, on, on, you know, we we we're always looking for other pet companies to partner with, um, whether that's partner and part of our agency business and helping them grow their business, or frankly bringing them into Metamorphosis to be part of our operating companies is one side. I think on the on the other side, like one part of doing this is, you know, we're looking for kind of how do we push in and how do we win more on the PR side and kind of social marketing side of things. And so if somebody's really amazing at that, you know, feel free to hit me up. Uh, I, I am fortunately, unfortunately, only Brock Weatherup in the world. So you won't end up in the wrong Brock Weatherup. Oh, you're, oh, you're that one. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, if you want to find me, it's not hard. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. So, yeah. so um, maybe LinkedIn or um, LinkedIn is, is, there, is there a Metamorphosis Partners website too? Uh, metamorphosis.com. Yep. Metamorphosis.com. Awesome. Well, I have a guy right off the top of my head that's, you know, would be, would be a great fit, you know, I think, and, and cool. I think you guys would have a great conversation, but Hey Brock, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. You get some phenomenal feedback uh, on everything. And I think that, you know, everything that you're doing right now is going to continue to scale and grow. Um, so hopefully I'll have you on a little bit later on this year to see how uh, Metropolis is doing and, and partners or anything like that. But thank you so much Mark Brock and we'll talk to you soon. Love it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the iSmart Podcast Show. If you are a business owner with multiple streams of income or professional who would like to be on the daily program, please visit iSmartNetworks.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with hashtag iSmartPodcast. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? We'll promote you and your business to our media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up? In your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow. That's right. Seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the iSmart Podcast.